Well, here we are almost a quarter of the way through the 23rd century, and I want to talk about life after college. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott, and this show is made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com. Guys, when I talk about talking about life after college, you probably think I meant what happened to us or what happens to somebody else when they finish college. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a future, which I think is going to be in the near future, where college, as we understand it, is just not there yeah. anymore. Saw an article on Instapundit uh, where it talked about uh, colleges building facilities like it's going out of style. I think I heard that University of Kentucky was spending $830,000, was it a day or something like that? They're just using tons and tons of money to build bigger and bigger facilities for their universities, which, of course, is a result of the government taking over the student loan program. Used to be that a bank would decide whether or not you were likely to pay off a loan and you could either get a student loan or not predicated on your um on your ability to pay it back. But with Obamacare came the federal government pumping actually trillions of dollars into the um, university system. So the universities go out and buy all this stuff and now attendance is going down, but that's not even the problem, guys. Um, There was a time when if somebody said they graduated from Harvard Law School, that would mean that they were very likely in a very small group of the very best people in the world. But when Harvard has, um, you know, safe spaces and coloring books and puppies and stuff for people to get upset. I really, I really think that, that, that universities have, have lost all of their credibility and I don't see any way for them to get it back. So, uh, Steve, uh, you used to have to go to college because that's where the smart people were and that's where the, the education was. And so you would go there to get that. You're not getting an education there anymore. You're getting an indoctrination and, you don't have to go there to get knowledge anymore. That's pretty much available everywhere. Now, getting it organized and into your head, that's a different story. But clearly, a college education is nothing like what it used to be. No. And, you know, in terms of this construction stuff, you reminded me of a story. I hadn't thought about this in a long, long time. I was a young kid, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. And I couldn't help but notice that these two hospitals in St. Louis that our, our regular route driving around always took us by were always under construction. You know, the, the, the multi-story cranes were there, the construction crews just, for years, they were, they were never not building anything, adding something onto these hospitals. And I, I finally asked my grandfather, you know, why are they always under construction? He said, oh, they're nonprofit. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what, what, what? This doesn't make any sense to me. I said, what, what, what does that have to do with anything? Well, what it means is they don't have any shareholders to return their profits to. Nonprofit doesn't mean you don't make any money. It means you don't have any shareholders to distribute it to. So they got to put it somewhere and they build stuff. Well, there's a lot of need for, for medical care because people don't want to die or lose limbs or anything. So there is that. And when it comes to education, the Washington under Barack Obama just open the spigots, the money spigots, wider than they had ever been before. And the money's got to go somewhere because uh, these kids are racking up all these these loans. So a construction spree. And it's just like anything else that the government uh, uh, subsidizes. You're going to get way too much of it until you finally don't get any of it at all because the whole thing implodes on itself. And that's just the money angle. Uh, what's more interesting, and I think this, uh, Bill, is what you were getting at, is the indoctrination angle where it's no longer an education that you're buying for the price of a 
of a house. You have six figures of debt. A house, and, yes, exactly and, right. Yes, and absolutely. And you're not getting what you paid for. It, it, it's, like pay, it, it's like borrowing $300,000 to buy a house, and you find out uh, uh, after you get the deed that it's actually a it's dog got no plumbing house or, or, in somebody else's or, lawn. Yeah. Um, so it's just ridiculous what's going on here. And this is a case where we have overbuilt something that isn't what it's advertised to be. And when that happens, a change is going to come. I don't, we, we can't say exactly what it looks like uh, or is going to look like, even from our, our vantage point here in the, in the 23rd century. But what we do know is it can't look like what it looks like now. Um, a couple of things are going are gonna to cause a really big change here, I think, very quickly. One, we're going to find out is not only these credentials, not what they're worth, because they're you know credentials, not real diplomas as we used to understand them. But so many of those jobs that uh, that these diplomas were supposed to to buy um, are being changed or gotten rid of through yeah. AI. Um, what's not going away are trades, and we are going to see yep. some big changes where the money and the talent aren't going to be going to the big schools. They're going to be learning trades that can't be replaced by AI, and I can't help but think that's going to be great for this country. Something's going to change. Uh, Scott, I think you can look at the destruction of the universities. I think the economic um, model is very similar to the financial crisis in 2008. I'm going to simplify this enormously so everybody just, you know, just stay calm. But essentially, but essentially, political pressure was put on was put on banks to make housing more affordable to as many people as possible. And this was a political imperative. And then the banks replied to the government essentially, well, if we make loans to people who can't pay the loans back, then we are going to go out of business. To which the government replied, well, if they can't pay the loans back, then we will bail you out for that. That's essentially the deal. Now, a bank is looking at something completely different. That's mortgages where they're bread and butter. The bank used to be saying, can this person pay this loan back? Yes or no. If they can, then we get the money back plus interest. If they can't, we lose money. We're, we're, we're in trouble. When the government guaranteed every single mortgage then it was no longer a question of how many good mortgages can we write. It became a question of how many mortgages yeah. can we write because there are no bad mortgages anymore. The more we write, the more we make. They either pay it off or the government does. We'll just send it to everybody. This same kind of thing is happening when the federal government took over student loans. You're getting people who really shouldn't be going to college for whatever reason. And, it, and the idea that a university education was somehow, and I'm not going to use this word, I'm not even going to use the word, that, that, a, that a university education implied that you had achieved a certain level of educational uh, credibility meant something. And, and when you make that essentially a four-year ticket to party, and now the people who took the four-year ticket to party, don't want to pay back the money that they spent partying on you know, with their useless degrees and all the rest of it. The entire thing is falling apart because of, I think, the same economic dynamic, which meant it's no longer about getting good people into college. It's how many people can we pack into college? And needless to say, that 
reduces the shine of, of what used to be something that had some meaning to it. You know, I think there are a couple of things that will clarify how we should think about universities going forward. And number one is you usually hear a division between uh, public institutions and private institutions. A big state school is a public university, public college. Mm-hmm. Private institution would be like a Harvard or something like that. Um, they're all private businesses. Every one of them is a private business. And the distinction that Steve made, I think, is a good one. That's basically, if it's a so-called public university, it's like being a nonprofit organization. At a nonprofit, and I've worked for a couple of nonprofits, at a nonprofit, profits are, exist. They're just called CapEx and salaries. They're called capital expenditures and salaries. That's what happens to the profits because you do generate an excess of revenue over expenses, and then you pour that into hiring more people, raising the pay of the people you have, and building new tributes to yourself. Um, and you get you know tax breaks when people donate money to your private business, which is in business to generate this so-called educational product. Um, how many business people who are listening to the sound of our voices right now would love to have customers coming in and shopping for your product with government-backed low-interest loans that they can stretch out over 10, 20, or 30 years. Or default on. Or default on, yeah, and not pay them back at all. Wouldn't it be easier to sell your product if you could say to a customer, hey, don't worry about it. You know, First of all, you're not going to have to pay very much interest on this. You can pay it very slowly over a long period of time. And if for some reason you're not able to pay it back, No sweat won't hurt you, won't hurt us. We'll spread that risk over the entire tax base of the United States of America. So there there are private businesses that are selling a product that people pay with government-backed low-interest loans. And the question you need to ask when you're evaluating university is, would I patronize that business if I didn't have a government-backed low-interest loan? What what is the end product? And I will tell you, you, I don't have to tell you, look at the recruiting videos for any of these schools. You see them at half times during college football games. You know, they they show that. Now, in the old days, it used to be much more of like, come here for science. And there would always be guys with microscopes and, you know, mm-hmm. staring into Petri dishes and stuff like that. Uh, but I've noticed over the years that that has kind of swung for many schools in the direction of Come enjoy the state you experience and it's fun and it's football and it's, uh, you know, an autumn day and it's, you know, ice cream on the quad. And it's just like this kind of exciting resort atmosphere living in lovely quarters, you know, which certainly beats the cell that I lived in in the cinder block box. Cinder block. (laughs) Cinder block wall painted puke white. But even then, it was pretty sweet compared to like the vast majority of people in the world. So, you know, I I think WVU is the school that's getting a lot of attention right now, West Virginia University, um, because they've had to cut some major academic programs, including languages, uh, some advanced mathematics programs, because they're in desperate financial straits right now. They invested heavily, uh, so-called invested, but they, they dumped a lot of cash into expansion, and now they find themselves in a bind when the student body growth and tuition growth doesn't match expectations, and so now they're having to cut back in some serious program areas. And you're gonna see more and more of that, especially as more people realize, you know what? 
They're hiring a guy who knows how to write Java. They're not hiring a guy who knows how to drink beer at WVU. And so I can get mm -hmm. my Java chops taken care of by myself with a Coursera course, which I can subscribe to at, you know, Google's uh, $60 a month program and get as, yeah, and get as many certifications as I need. Um, and so it's, it's, this is predated AI. AI is going to accelerate it. Uh, but I think you're right. I think in the, it won't be the 23rd century. It'll be sooner than that. But, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, trains, uh, railroads still exist. It's just nobody's first choice anymore for passenger travel. Yeah. And it's going to be the same way for education with universities. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, while you guys were talking, I realized there was another dynamic at work here, another uh, economic dynamic. Prior to the, the government backing all of these student loans and, and infusing just trillions of dollars of cash into the system. Again, I'm simplifying enormously, but basically, tuition and somewhat state subsidies covered the cost of running the university and providing the education. Anything that was cool, like an expansion or a new, a new uh, basketball stadium or expanding the football field. I remember they put the O'Connell Center into the uh, University of Florida. All of those improvements were predicated on the largesse of the alumni. And here's where this gets interesting. If you are looking for a, a significant portion of your friends from the alumni, the alumni and the university are in a feedback loop. If the alumni are happy with what the university does, then they're going to write a bigger yeah. check. And if they're not happy with what the university does, then they're not. And when you when you flood these universities with colleges, you essentially don't need the alumni anymore. So when or the alumni, so so what's basically happening is people who graduated from the University of Florida, let's say, see all of this woke garbage going on at the University of Florida, and they say, well, if they, what, next time they come to me for money, I'm not going to give them any. That used to mean something. It would have modified the behavior of the university officials, but now. Now, they're just so flush with cash that they just don't care. So you don't even have that feedback loop in there. The, I'm not so much worried about the fact that we'll get our knowledge and our educations from someplace else. The, the real tragedy on the board here, for me anyway, is, is the social impact of it. Two generations that have become extraordinarily isolated emotionally and personally due to their dependence on devices used to be able to go, uh, and still to some degree, can go to a university and, and have fun with other people. But now, I suspect, uh, you went to a, a modern university, you wouldn't be making Animal House. You'd be making Vegan House. You'd be making vegetable house you'd be talking about <laughs> how you spent your time working on on protest signs and doing the right thing and being concerned about the planet and act and being an activist for social justice instead of just going out there and having an absolute full-on blast which is what the three of us did and that's an important part of life colleges are a halfway house to the real world that's exactly what they are universities are a halfway house to the real world you are living on your own you're not with your parents. You have to do your own laundry. But at the same time, you're not subject to the same level of pressures in terms of, you know, your income is more or less taken care of. You're on the food plan. And that's going to disappear. And for a generation that already seems, two generations seem unprepared for the real world, when this system collapses under the weight of its own arrogance, that's going to be something else they're going to be deprived of. And I feel very, very sorry for, for these uh, millennials and Gen Zs and to some degree these so-called alphas. They are being robbed. They're being deprived of an education. They're being deprived of the educational experience. And the most important thing they're being deprived of right now, and this is why universities are on their way out, 
is they're being deprived of the experience of meeting somebody who disagrees with them. This is what you get when you get a monolithic culture and, and restrictions on speech. That's hate speech. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear a, a new opinion. Universities used to be a place to go where you would hear about new ideas. Now, given how they're protesting speakers, a university is a place to go to protect you from new ideas. And that's not good for you. Just to wrap this up with a personal story, when I was in the University of Florida and I was a freshman, there was some class on some subject, I forget what it was, and I said something and some, uh, some guy my age, black guy my age, said, that's just not true. It's not like that. And he starts talking to me about his experience and I realized, wow, I may be wrong about that. And I start talking to him about my experience and he realized, well, I may be wrong about some of this. And we ended up talking. We actually got, got along pretty well and we were friends for the rest of the semester. And that that experience only occurs when you're exposed to people who don't think exactly the same way as you do. And now universities are so monotheistic, essentially, that there's simply no reason to go. And because there's no reason to go, they will disappear. Life after college is going to be worse than it was when people went to college. Uh, and we're going to be poorer as a society for it. And we can blame both uh, the intervention of uh, progressive politicians into government, connecting government funds to universities, and we can also blame progressive educators who feel that indoctrination into the correct political line of thought is more important than unchaining young minds and letting them think for themselves. You can't have that because if people start thinking for themselves, they won't be so pliable when you tell them what to do. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time on Right Angle.